Greetings and salutations. This is the Phil Brothers Journey. To what? Oh, cheers to uh, peace and love and um, happiness. Only cool, awesome things going with the universe and not against it. Cheers to that, sister. Hammered that glass, girl. All right. Oh, yeah. I so, shot that water hard. What are we drinking? We are drinking Mountain Valley Spring Water from Arkansas, which you um, so fabulously procured for me this week, which I really appreciate. But in a blind taste test of waters, I promise this one's the best. It took you as far to Whole Foods to acquire it so yes it was like quite a journey to that that spring you know yes so first of all i basically never go there secondly it is a 40 minute round trip however worth every second of it and it came all the way from the oshita mountains according to this label (laughs) so there's that yeah um but it's like a famous like presidents have like gone there to drink this water and Anyways, it's the best water that I'm aware of at this moment. And there it, could be more. And it's your we jam. We don't know yet. It's your jam. It's my jam. And yeah, so, it's my it's my treat. It's my special thing. And that's what this show is about is the people that are in front of me, and it's their jam, and I love to be along for the ride, so thank you for bringing me along. I love it. All right, so I'm going to get into the who the heck we're talking to today. We've got Talia Naquin. She's a digital producer for Fox 8 in Cleveland, Ohio. She is one of the company's top writers for the country for three months in a row and part of the million month club which brings at least one million views per month she is a founding member of one of the most wildly successful rap groups of the 90s that you've never heard of called crazy vanilla starring saltine and opal (laughs) talia naquin welcome to the show Thank you. Also known as Opal, Saltine could not make it today. Saltine. Um, and the group never really, you know, we never really disbanded. Okay. But, um, you know, we're really all together in our hearts. I have heard that your fans are actually raving for another album and or the first album. You know, it's right. It is true. You know, we get us a lot of reunion tours these days. Like the throwbacks make people very happy. Uh-huh. And I really think that, you know, with we did shoot some album covers at that time, which was us outside a cabin uh-huh. with no electricity, pretty dirty, no uh-huh. running water. Uh-huh. And I think that we took some pictures like really cool poses by the clothesline and stuff like that um so i'll have to i'll have to dig those up we'll dig those out we'll put them on the social uh whenever this episode gets ready to launch we'll we'll prep it and i'm pretty sure these pictures were taken on a plastic blue fisher price camera i'm pretty sure but (laughs) well it's been that long Uh uh-huh exactly yeah um so when we say crazy vanilla let's be much more specific and clue in the, the peeps into the um, the inside joke here. Break it down. Okay. So Crazy Vanilla is, um, so I have this notebook that um, I 
said the other day that it was from 96. It was the 97, summer of 97. Mm -hmm. um, and we took a crazy road trip. Your mom took me and my sister, you and your sister, and we drove from Oklahoma to North Carolina to New York, New York, New York, to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. It's quite a trip. And it was an awesome trip. And my mom's rule was that we kept a journal for it. And unfortunately, I did, and I still have it because I wrote a lot of really rude things as I was 16. Uh -huh. um, but Crazy Vanilla, we went to, at one of the points, we went to a shopping mall and we went to, do you remember this story? Absolutely not. I'm an old man with a lot of kids and my memory has left me. <laughs> I, that's why I, I need you. I didn't think that you did. Um, Monica, we were just at a mall and Monica wanted some ice cream and she goes up there and she says, hi, I would like to get chocolate chip cookie dough. And he said, do you mean crazy vanilla? And, like, <laughs> and we were like, what? Like crazy vanilla doesn't even sound like that is a thing. Vanilla is yeah. like the opposite of crazy. Right. It sounds a but, little racist uh, too. Like, wait, what? What'd you call me? Maybe, right. That's a good point. Uh -huh. Maybe that was really what was going on there. Oh, and no. she was like chocolate chip cookie dough. It was like this whole thing. And so like crazy vanilla was like, just one more of our inside jokes after that. And then at some point we went to the cabin that we stayed at in Amish country with no electricity, no running water, which was my favorite part of that trip. It was fab. And um, we decided that Crazy Vanilla was a was a rap group. Uh -huh. And that was Monica and I, Saltine and Opal. Uh -huh. And um, and there are pictures. I know there are pictures. Yes. Um, yeah, so we'll have to hit up uh, Stacia. Uh -huh. We referred to her as Skanka at the time. Oh, of snap. This notebook, and she really did not care for that and no. would probably care for it much less now. Yes, I think that's right. I think if we called her that, she might beat us up at this point at least, or maybe sick. <laughs> she might yeah. sick her husband, who is much larger than me. And that like would... everybody. Yes. So I on the, I wrote on the notebook, I'm saying I want chocolate chip cookie dough, but what I really mean is crazy vanilla. Beautiful. <laughs> that is a beautiful line and a memory. Thank you for sharing that. Now, uh -huh. in that, that is an absolute joy of a memory. However, all of those memories, as you pointed out, aren't always the same when you have a bunch of hormonal teenagers in a small space for a long time. Man, I mean, how long? It was like a three-week it was like a three week trip. And basically we were just really hard on each other. Yes. Um, so there's some things, um, I wrote on here sleeping machine. Cause that's what you called me because every time we got in the car, I was like not into participating. I was like, I'll just sleep. Yes. Yes. And, uh, we have Demonica listed <laughs> for, uh, our sweet little saltine. And I don't know why you don't have a nickname here. I was above, I was above reproach. I you was were a sweet little angel. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's the case. You, so, you, all right, so we might need to find a passage that can disprove my my supposed claim of being an angel. <laughs> do you do you have anything like that you can share with us? Uh Yes, I do. Mm. Yes, I do. All right, bring it forth the evidence. Okay. Uh, and also I do 
have the recall in here that I was reading Walden that summer very poorly. Okay. So, okay. Uh, this is August 11th, 1997. Get dramatic. And I, I do note everywhere in my journal entries who has AOL and who doesn't at our stops because that was very important to me that sounds, summer. Sounds right. Right. So I got to talk to Mike. I like him so much. Phil pissed me off. He wrote a letter to Mike pretending to be me. <laughs> Where the hell did he get a freaking idea like that? It really upset me. I guess that combined with homesickness and being in the car all day made it worse. I was bawling. Then he barely apologized and expected me to forget it ever happened. We fought again after that tonight. He maketh me mad. Oof. Also... What's fabulous is um, the next day I wrote, <laughs> Phil just left again. I don't guess this will ever get any easier. I love him so much. We really are like family. He tries so hard to help me be a better person. My brother Phil and my sister Monica. <laughs> so, like, it is exactly what it is to be family and be a teenager and everything. But I just thought it was so funny that the very next day I'm like, oh, I'm so sad. I was just, we were bawling at the airport, you know, like leaving each other since, you know, at Fort Leavenworth Station, I flew back. And anyway, so that, yeah, I think that certainly that whole summer kind of just bonded us for life. True that, true that. So when we left, I do remember we were at some kind of pizza place that had a lot of video games, and we had like a little mini going away party for us, right? Oh. Mr. Something. Mr. Gaddy's. There you go, Mr. Gaddy's. no longer exists. Ooh, and R.I.P. Everybody was there. Yeah, it was like every it was like also the end of the school year, so it's like that kind of like fun vibe that everybody has. So like I know that like my best friend at the time, Amanda Sasser was there. I mean, you guys were moving, so it was really like a party for you, but you had like so many friends and like a huge church group and everything. So it was like was it Mr. Gaddy's or Gettys? Is it like spaghetti? Yeah, good point. Yeah. I don't know. Gaddy's, John like John Gotti. John Gotti or Gaddy, Gaddy, like a Gatling gun? Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe all of the above. Yeah, so Chris Pendrag, John Wimberly, like the whole OG crew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like we left from the pizza party and got in the van and drove to North Carolina yep. from Oklahoma. Yeah. Jeez. And so in that, yeah, and it was, I believe it was emotional at that time. And then again, we did the whole wraparound. It's kind of like, oh, this is so fun, but we're going to be saying goodbye soon. And then well, the, the con to give context to the listeners is we were moving to Leavenworth, Kansas, like you said, and that was it. So once we got there, and I do not remember that you guys flew back, but there you go. You we do. did. We flew from, um, I assume, like Kansas City or something. I don't know what the closest airport is there to Oklahoma City where we were where we were picked up. But I mean that was I look I don't know if my first journal entry is in July. Mm -hmm. Um and then the last journal entry was like I think that we came back like the day before school started. Like it it was weeks and weeks, you know, party. like we packed it was yeah it was it was exciting so 
anyways, the, the journal entries is just, it's so embarrassing. It's, it's awful. It's horrible to read. Um, there are words that I use in here that I would never use now. Uh Um, Like, uh, do you have an (laughs) example? Like, you mean like super mean, like curse words or more like just weird words? No, just like really inappropriate language that I would never use today. Gotcha. Do you have one example um, of what its letter start it starts with? Um oh, um yeah, I would like to take that one offline, but there okay. is something in here that I had forgotten about that we said shoot yeah all the time. Like <laughs> that's our thing. Shoot yeah. So I write that shoot yeah so i write that in my journal like that's like you know just how we talk or whatever Uh so yeah it's basically just just me complaining and being mad at you and being mad at your mom and being mad at monica i'm actually not mad at my sister how can you she is one of the sweetest humans on the planet uh well, I mean, definitely, you guys are just a tougher crowd. Yeah. I mean, like, you guys are really, I, I wrote in here somewhere, it's like, they find your weakness, and then they're just like, <laughs> they just poke at it and poke at it until you, you like, you crack that, yes. you know? Like, that's the game, and I, I'm not built that way. True. So, yeah, I do write about that, too. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, you just look look for the soft spots, and you start, that's where you, that's where you crack them open. And really what we but, call that in the, in the school of hard knocks is tough love that will make you stronger, and now you'll, you're so <laughs> resilient that nothing can crack you. <laughs> so. Well, I definitely think I am now. That's definitely true. Well, kudos um, to you on that. Oh, yes, I wrote... It's like they find your weak spots and wham, go in for the kill. (laughs) (laughs) The kill, we're crushing your soul. Well, first of all, I would like to take this opportunity to apologize that I already have many times in the past, but I'm going on public record. I I don't think that you have, but I find it to be unnecessary. It's, you know, it's it's a family thing. You can't apologize for everything that, you know, you're mad about in your family or you did to your family or... True. However, anything that you do, it, it, it can be a bonus. So any anguish or difficulty that I have caused you, undue upsetness, I do apologize. I've obviously hopefully made amends as far as my actual actions in our um, dynamic now where that is not even remotely close to repeating. But That is not, yeah, that's not your behavior now. But I think that that was just... I don't know if that was in your family dynamic, but that was like a thing. It was like there had to be a weak one yes. in the group. Yes. And so a lot of times, it, I guess it was Stacia. Um, she wouldn't always be game, you know? And so, yeah, so that was, you didn't want to be the weak one. So, right. but no, I don't think that you aren't, you aren't like that in any way at all. But, you know, I don't feel like I... My journal makes it sound like I suffered greatly. Yeah. But I think I think it's okay. I think I think I turned out okay. I think the positive times certainly outweigh the the negative. However, the negative felt so so deep in that probably is my guess. I don't know. If that honestly crushes me, but the thing is, is like the only thing I wrote in here was mostly negative stuff because, but I don't write in here a ton because we were having so much fun. Right. So like. 
there just is all of that. Like we went to Niagara Falls. The Amish country was like absolutely my favorite thing. And um, we just, you know, I mean, we like went around so much of the country. We were in New York City. We saw the Yankees, you know, all the things. Yes. All the things. So New York City, anything else you remember about that? I remember one thing was like I was walking and I was like intentionally tripping over the curb, falling on the ground and like screaming (laughs) in fake anguish, hoping that someone would like pretend help me up or like nobody even glanced at me. My gosh, now that you mentioned that, um, I remember that you were doing that when we were late to catch our train, and Stacia was so mad. <laughs> Sorry, Stacia. <laughs> like, you like intentionally tripped in front of her, and she's like, you know, like, had you had an actual accident, she would have still been mad. Yeah, probably. Um, Cause at that point it was just, we did make our train, but, um, I think like that day was just, that was the last time that I was in New York city, but we just had a ball. Like I remember being outside, like where they tape SNL and, um, you know, we just like ran the streets in New York city for the day basically. And then like almost missed our train trying to like fake trip on the way back. Worth it. Yeah, and New York City was probably the only place where we weren't the most obnoxious people in the area. Just yes. because, just just statistically, probably there were more obnoxious people. Right now, because we, we really, it, but we, we like really, most yeah. likely. Yeah, we really definitely acted like fools everywhere. That was our thing. Uh-huh. That was what we did. I did write about that at Niagara Falls. Um, that was just how we had a good time. Oh, such a such memories. So let's get into the memories of establishments in a much smaller community than New York City, good old Lot in Oklahoma with the Big Chef. Please tell us about that. <laughs> Big Chef, you know, I think it's torn down now. I okay. don't know if you know that. R.I.P. Big Chef. I I know. Big Chef was this old truck stop coffee shop and it was like lifted out of another place in time it never changed our entire lives until it closed down and it was right off of i-44 and we were not allowed to go out at night and stay out late but if we pretended if we stayed up late enough we could pretend we were going out for breakfast Uh and so we would go to big chef and we would drink coffee and eat cheese fries. I think about their cheese fries Epic. still to this day. Heavenly. And um, and then we would go home and go to bed at like eight in the morning or something like that. You know, that was just how we were doing summer. Yep. Your family was living with my family that summer, to be clear for background. Yep. And I do remember with Big Chef, and I think it like ruined me with uh, certain things in my coffee for life. I went to the bathroom and you poured like a whole container of sugar in my coffee. Ooh, harsh. And then I like, take that sip, but that was like, that's just like, it's like a sibling thing, but it was like the grossest thing to me was like the super sickening sweet coffee. And like, I drink my coffee black forever. Yeah. Like I will never, I will never, never have sweetener after that. And just like that taste was, it was wrong, but they had the jukeboxes at every table. It was, 
the best. I, and like we played old country 90s music. It was good. That is good. I remember paying in change quite a bit. Is that Was that a common thing? I actually think that that was just something we did to be annoying. Probably. Sorry. Now that you mention it. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Flo. God, I hope we, I hope we tipped. I, I, I would not count on it. And so, again, I apologize to well, Flo and Susie who I probably waited on us. Those people, those people were working hard, they and were. we just, like, wanted more coffee and napkins. Bunch of jerks. And, uh, yeah, I know. Well, you know, you don't know when you're kids and – we don't know how things work, but I think we just paid in change because, like, we could. Yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't like we didn't have money. Right. It was like, let's pay in change. That's funny. Yes, yes. Wow. Right. <laughs> yep. And then you were a waitress, and then if you saw that in the future, then that karma was coming back on you later. I'm sure that karma definitely uh, came back to me. I did spend many years working at IHOP, and um, – and it, it was not that fun. Yeah. It was also a lot of fun. So, just you know, like the trip. I think just, <laughs> just like the trip. Just like yes. life, right? Yes. Just like life. It's like not fun, but yeah. it is actually kind of fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, in that, then let's, uh, let's see, where are we going to go with this? We're going to go to uh, your relationship with, you can fill in the blank, whichever, however you want to fill that drinking. Oh, yeah. so, oh, my relationship with alcohol. Yes, ma'am. That's interesting. So I am going to be three years sober Congrats. this summer. Congrats. Thank you. Um, I really, you know, this pairs a lot with um, being in an abusive marriage and... So I was married for a couple of years and my husband was always probably uh, emotionally abusive and could often be very mean. But there was one point when that crossed into a, a physical violence. And I knew at that point well, eventually, I knew I needed to leave. Okay. Um, and I didn't know how to do that. And so I was drinking all the time to self-medicate just to deal with the life that I had. Mm. So I could pretend that I was happy in my life or having a good time with him. Because if I did that, then I felt like I could protect myself okay. a little bit. And so it was just all day. Like as soon as I would get home from work, I would just, I would sit on the back porch and drink waiting for him to wake up and just like drinking as much as I could before he came and I had to interact with him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I didn't go out a lot because like I wasn't allowed, you know? Um, and anyways, once I did actually leave him, you know, that problem for me did not go away. I was at that point, you know, I had 
a really bad habit. And at that point I was an alcoholic, you know, like I, um, I just, I think at that point, you know, I wasn't ready to address the trauma and I was not ready to acknowledge that maybe I was dealing with post-traumatic stress. And so if I just drank and didn't think about it and didn't be still with myself or do any of the work, I just kept like, you know, bulldozing forward. Yeah. Um, so eventually I did stop and there was not like a catalyst moment. Like a lot of people talk about, like, I knew I had to quit when, um, there were so many things, you know, like there were so many things where I remember I woke up one day and I was trying to figure out, I knew I didn't drive, but I couldn't remember where my car might be, ah. you know, things like that, you know, and, um, and these were private things, you know, I was a single woman living alone. These weren't things I was going through with anybody else. These were private. That's not really something you tell people. Um, so I saw an addiction counselor and I started going to AA and I was sober for about a year at that time. And then I was like, Oh, I just want to like have a beer, you know? And like, that's probably fine. And one of the things they talk about in AA is that, um, you're not here to learn how to become a better alcoholic. Uh. That's not how it works. You know, um, you have, you have the disease. That's that. It's all or nothing is what I'm hearing you say. It is. Yeah. It is absolutely, you know, like for people who can have a drink at the end of the day, just to relax, that's great. But that's really not often what we see, Okay. you know, that's really not most, uh, there is abusing alcohol is just normalized. Okay. If you go to bars or restaurants or anything else. Um, and you just take a look around you, but you don't realize that unless you are a sober person, not drinking. And that has become something that you're paying attention to. Right. It's a very normalized thing to drink in excess mm -hmm. and have too much and like probably shouldn't drive, but you're probably fine to drive, you know, that kind of thing. Negotiate but with yourself kind of thing. Right. And then since you have had something to drink, you were not, you're not your clean, true self, you know, so that decision making process is different. And so after I was like trying to play with like, oh, I'll have a beer, I would like make these rules for myself, like, oh, you can drink but only when you're at home, you can't go out. And like, that doesn't, that's not a thing. Yeah. That's not, not a thing. The other side of yourself was like, we ain't doing that. Well, the thing is, is like, I don't, I don't have that thing that some people have that tell you that tells you enough is enough. Okay. I don't have that. You know, like for me, I was a bottomless pit when it came to alcohol, any alcohol, you know, I could drink as much of it was available. And when I ran out, I definitely wanted more. 
So um, for me, it's just, it's a non-option. You know, people will ask me all the time, like not even a glass of wine. I'm like, no, like that's not, it's like hundred percent, hundred percent sober. So I quit a second time um, and it was a totally different experience. I just literally woke up one day and I was like, I am done. And I haven't had a drink since then. And that's an unusual experience. I don't know that that would be described as common. I can't really go to AA because there's not a lot of in-person meetings right now okay. um, with COVID. But I always thought they were the most civilized rooms in the world I had ever been in. Um, and I was reading a book the other day from someone who is, uh, 16 years sober. And she said that AA meetings were the first place that you heard people be absolutely actually honest. And I thought that that was such a good way to put it is because everybody's in that room for the same reason. We just have different things that come with that. So once you get sober, there's a lot of shame to unpack and all kinds of things. But for me, you know, it's hard to believe that it's only been three years because I feel like it's just such a, it feels like such a non-factor for me. And I don't want to get into a slippery slope of not being super aware of that, yeah. but I can be around it. That's not a problem for me. And you, you know, you have to adapt to the world. The world is not going to adapt to you. Walk in the room and and like, all right, everybody, I'm here. So just do what I want you to do. Get rid of your drinks. Right. Like, it's just, it doesn't work like that. Right. And you want, people tend to feel really uncomfortable when they find out you don't drink. Yeah. Um, You're like one of those. And- Well, yeah. And it's also, I think that they are concerned that I'm going to be judging them and I don't care. You know, I'm like, I have been there and I'm sure I could have drank you under the table in my day, (laughs) but, um, I, you know, I don't care, but it, it makes other people uncomfortable. Um, I have had people approach me here living here and, they were like, oh, I heard you don't drink. Is that true? Like, yeah. We must confirm these rumors that we are hearing. These rumors, that's a rumor? Man, y'all are boring. Right. Um, yeah, so, yes, oh my gosh, that's true. Um, but, you know, I don't care what other people do. I don't have a problem with, that's, it's all an individual self thing. But I think that that's where it comes in is people are worried that I'm, judging them but i promise i'm not that's interesting so do my thing yeah so a couple things i want to revisit one is the most civilized room you had ever been in and what are some of the contributing factors to that and what are the contrasts that you've seen most commonly before that that are different well in a meeting no one is ever interrupted it's like you don't have like you've seen like in movies or whatever. It's like you have the the speaking stick or whatever. We don't have that in AA, but like when you decide to talk in a meeting, everybody is silent and everybody is listening to you and you can literally feel them 
self-reflecting at the same time because this energy is completely focused because people who are alcoholics and addicts, they know that there is something to be learned and gained from everyone's story. Mm. And that might be what they needed to hear today. And that's what the meetings are. It's not like, here's the captain of the meeting, or it's not, it's a group. It's just people. It's a group of people of all ages and all backgrounds who have had problems with similar things. And whenever that person is done speaking, then someone else will start speaking. And it might be reflective of what they said. It might be something totally different. And you pray together. You, you really are, a, you're a group. You know, you are there, you are there together. And, um, and there's just like some comfort and like, you usually are like in an old, like back room at a church or something with like crappy coffee and like that kind of thing. And there is some great comfort in that. And just knowing that I think maybe at first it's like, everyone here is as bad as me, you know? Um, so you, you're really all equal in that room. You were all equal. Whereas in other aspects of our life, we don't really, we don't really act that way. You know, we don't have, we don't walk into other rooms. Everyone's equal here. That just doesn't, doesn't happen. You know, no matter what your, your situation is, that's, that's not the dynamic of the world anywhere else that I know. So these meetings are just like the most, amazing you know you have you hear so much wisdom because the journey of becoming sober and unbecoming this like creature that you are with this poison in you Mm -hmm. process you know and so you are in there with all these people who have had different levels of sobriety and you know people who go to meetings they'll be 25 years sober they still go Mm. you know um, I think it's just that that powerful. Wow. So you talked about the different uh, journeys or the different flavors or the different backgrounds in that. And I was just listening to like the first like intro episode I put out and I said something about like it's like a quilt and everybody has their own color to share and their own texture to share. And it's not the same as mine, but it's beautiful and it's part of the thing. And so let's welcome it as part of the thing and celebrate that because we need each other to be tied in together because without everyone working together, it it crumbles, right? Absolutely. I think that we, as a society, as a people, as humanity, we have a lot of work to do. Um, And I think that one of the first things is working within to clean out our own poisons. And it's like that thing. um, It's like, don't, don't take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a branch in yours or whatever. It's, you know, you got to start working on yourself and acknowledge where your flaws are and what you might need to be fixing to see how you can be a service to others. That makes sense. Now you, you mentioned back to the, the conversations of people being like, she's probably judging me. Right. And so we're talking about having the confidence to work on ourselves. And one of those things is that unsurety, that 
we want to please everybody. We want to make sure that we check the boxes. And if we don't, we feel lesser than, right? Like our worth isn't there. And so we need to know that you're not judging me. And can you speak to that as far as what you've experienced with that, you know, around A, but also outside of that? We've talked about that a little bit in the past as well. Um, I think that, um, so I'm, I'm reading a book right now. It's called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And the whole book is about becoming untamed and getting out of this box and structure that we were raised in because eventually we all start understanding like, well, this is the box that you're supposed to be in. So here you go. This is you, you start, you train yourself Mm. after a certain point. So I think that, um, without spending time with yourself alone and really looking within, I don't know that you can have a true confidence. And one of the things that it talks about in the book is that if it's between disappointing yourself or disappointing anybody else, you should always disappoint somebody else. Sorry, people. You need to be true to, you need to find your truest self and not what you think you should do or what, you know, your mom wants you to do or this thing or that, what feels right in your heart you know, find that, find how to connect with that and start following that through. So I think that that, um, confidence is, um, you know, in women, I think there are just so many different things. And I think the boxes apply to men as well. I can just only speak to a woman's box, but there's a lot of like, um, being small and being a certain size and looking a certain way and not speaking up and probably being quiet. And these things make you a good woman or uh, a woman worth marrying or worth dating or, and it's like this whole time, everybody's looking to make sure that they have the boxes checked when they're had they thought about what it is actually that they want? Right. Is this really what they want? Right. Um, and so I've just been thinking about that a lot. It's like, you know, kind of undoing your, some of your wiring. I feel like for me that becoming sober was undoing some of that wiring mm. um, because it is, also an acceptable thing to do to be too drunk or go out and do that. That's a pretty acceptable societal thing. Um, so the wiring and all of that is just, and the men have it too, where it's like, you know, men are not complimented for silent strength and sensitivity. You know, it's like, you know, be a man and like toughen up and like that sort of thing. And I think that, you know, and what we are seeing and, you know, we know that like every, you know, every mass shooter is, is a male, you know, is that not an absolute explosion of people trying to break free from their boxes? Like, I, I don't want to simplify it, but I think that 
these structures of everything that we're supposed to be, I think we have to get rid of those things and really think about who we are, who we want to be, what is the truest version of yourself? Are you the truest version of yourself today? Yeah, nice. So uh, a few things really rang a bell in my mind and supposed to be. That that should be off limits. You're supposed to blah, 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 like, hell no. I ain't supposed to do anything unless that's what resonates with my soul on my mission. And if you think right. that, then go do that for you and ha and be happy and go do that. But don't come up in my business. And I mean, you know, my parents. Don't be doing that. My spouse, don't be doing that. Don't try to steal away from me of what I am to, tr to fit your version of what serves you best. Try to manipulate me and push me in that. Like, no, I want you to flourish as who you are, and I want to flourish as I am, and let's work together to do that and support each other. And it's very difficult to accomplish when because we're so selfish many times that we, we do it without even thinking of projecting what we want the person that we're working with sometimes to do. And the key is to step back and, and to do our best to not do that, right? I think that we have to, in some ways, really protect what is true and do whatever it takes to protect that. Um, and an example would be, like, if you have a really, really great friend who um, doesn't support a part of the truest version of yourself, maybe that person should not be in your life until they can. Right. You know, like I, I think that we, I don't want to have a large group of anybody. I don't think that I ever will. Yeah. I want a small group of people who know me intimately and truly. And that is that I don't, I don't, I don't like when people, when people are like, Hey, don't tell so-and-so I hate it. I hate everything about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, don't tell me secrets. I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, I feel burdened carrying this thing and I don't feel like I can speak honestly. I don't want to know. Right. Like I just, these it's, it's all these little things that I'm trying to break out of because I think it's, I think it's everywhere. Yeah. You know? So, um, for me, that has been spending a lot of time by myself and doing yoga and meditating. That would be a lot harder in your situation with a, a houseful of people. Indeed. But you have to find it. You have to find where you're where you're making that space for yourself. Yes, it's a must have. And I and in this time in my life, I'm much more protective of that time, that space, that energy, that. I have to. And, and before, maybe I would feel selfish. And I think sometimes I still even do. But I've come to, you know, in talking to my counselor and working through that and just pondering my own thoughts is I'm not, if I'm not at my best, I'm actually stealing from them the energy that I could be having when I'm engaging with them in the things that we can do together. When I'm just go, 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 or serve, 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 and I'm running out of energy, I'm running out of what you know, fills me up and makes me feel alive. And I have to say, look, I have to say no to this thing. So that they can, then later I can say yes with vigor instead of saying yes all the time with like moderate levels of energy and attention, you know? What right. I mean? Well, also, I mean, that's also goes into what example are you setting for your kids Is the example that you're setting is that they should be working to please everybody and as many people as possible and not worry about what they're thinking and what's true to them. Hell because no. that's 
that's what it is. You know, it's like, well, you know, if you want kids who are resilient, they're going to have to get hurt. They're going to have to, you know, you, you don't get to be your best self without huge pain. Pain is part of the game. It is the only, it's not the only way to grow. I just know that for me personally, it has launched the greatest growth in my life where we have talked about before. It's a road that you would never have chosen had you been presented a choice like, Hey, you'll end up really good if you go down this route, but this way is going to be really easier. You're like, I'll go that way. I'll go the easy way. Least resistance, please. (laughs) Right. Cause that's what you think. But, but you get to the end of that hard road and you are transformed and stronger and more powerful. And you couldn't even put your finger on what exactly happened. What happened was you went through something horrible and you survived it. Like I would never, I would never say like, well, I'm so glad that my husband beat me up and you know, did, did all that to me. But now I really know what a good man looks like and I really know what I want and I really know what is unacceptable for me. Yes. And I, those red flags did turn out to be something, you know, like they're just, it's just part of the, you got to learn and you got to, man, you got to be ripped apart, put yourself back together, set some of it on fire. Some of it you don't need anymore. Get rid of the stuff you don't need. Right. I don't know. No, that's, that's, that's yeah. awesome. That's where I am. That's, that's where awesome. I am. Now. I love it. So, yeah, so Jocko Willink, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he put out a, like a little YouTube video. I don't know. It's like two, three minutes. And it's called Good. And basically it's like this. all these upsetting things that he mentions. Like, so your husband beats you up? Good. You're going to learn that you're never, ever going back to that crap again. You know, th- you lost the job? Good. Because it's going to push you harder to go do something that's more enjoyable for you and have that work-life balance. Right. And he just repeats these different scenarios in different ways. It is powerful. I recommend it. The other thing that came to my mind as you were sharing about yourself, listen to yourself. There's another book called Finding Your North Star by Martha Beck. And she talks about there's two selves that we have. Your social self, you got to operate. You can't be thought a fool you can't you know but there's an extreme version of that too of like if you always listen to it you're going to be slave to society if you never listen to it you might be end up up in jail because your inner self or your essential self says i want to be naked and free and the social self says yeah but the law says we probably shouldn't do that all the time so you've got to find that it's a dance with with both sides be naked and free within your own structure correct like your own home correct but appropriate place exactly but what has happened unfortunately so many times is society expectations whatever it is has drowned out such a whisper our essential self who is screaming to get out saying i'm in prison please free me stop doing these things that keep me in prison you know drinking to to numb this you know just trying to do whatever the society thinks your parents think and therefore you're miserable you hate your life and you're depressed and like Listen to me. Like I want to do something different, and it takes a lot of difficulty. And and like, again, back to that pain, and we want to run away from it. But when we can start learning to run towards it, which is so counterintuitive, how much mm-hmm. more better off are we actually after that? You know. 
That sounds like a really good read. And I think that's definitely on the same vibe is that we have to really learn that who we are on the inside and it isn't, and I, you know, it's not like I think these structures were put in place because the world is horrible and it, you know, it has, it's just where we are. It's a fact. And we have to, as individuals, unlearn the bad things, unlearn the wiring and keep doing it. You know, if we are not evolving consistently, then we're not doing that work. And to do the work, you have to look for what you are feeding yourself, like not just what you're putting in for food, but like, what are you watching? What are you reading? You know, are you filling yourself with poison? Because poison comes in so many forms. And I just think that that sort of normalizes us to this desensitized, uh, we watch crime and, you know, everything's horrible. We see horrible things and we, we figure out how to, how to handle this information instead of really stopping and saying, oh my gosh. This is absolutely unacceptable and more unacceptable than just like, I'm going to sit on my couch and be personally mad, or I'm going to write a strongly worded social media post. What are you going to do about it? Right. You know, if you aren't working to make the world better for somebody else, then you're probably making it worse. Uh I mean, I think at this point we see things everywhere, every day that we do nothing about and we just, we are thankful that that's not our life, yeah. you know, that's, that's what we do, but we aren't, we aren't taking that action and the world does need, we need more sensitivity. Yeah. We need more of that. We need more like, yes, men, thank you for being like, like you, you have probably, I don't know if you've been complimented for your sensitivity, but you have really you have a good sense of self Thank you. in showing that I think that is a lot of, uh, having so many children, women, um, lots of females, lots of female. Oh, I didn't think about that yeah, too, but, significantly. Um, but, um, you know, I've seen you be touched by stories or interactions and, you know, and you would openly tear up and that, we need more of that. Yeah, I think so. You know, that's a that's a natural that's a natural feeling in all of us. It's not just like, well, that's just for the women, right. you know, and like yeah, that's we need lie. more more heart. Yeah, we need more heart. De- denying that sort of thing, uh we need to be emotionally impacted. Yeah, I more. agree. So I, I saw on, uh, I think it was LinkedIn and I saw this guy, he's got to be six foot two, 300 plus pounds wearing this shirt. And it says, I am a strong black man who is willing to be vulnerable with my feelings or something like that. And it, it, it's almost bringing me to tears right now because it's, it's not a common thing, but it is so important to be able to relate to each other as men, men to men being honest with each other, but then also to our families and to our society. And it's such a faux pas in the previous generations. I think it's becoming Mm -hmm. more and more celebrated, welcomed, and encouraged. But it's still in a weird, like, transition point where, 
you know, that's not fully appreciated. But to me, it's like it's the most powerful, effective way of doing things, you know. And again, you go back to the most powerful spiritual leaders were humble, sensitive, kind, loving men, you know, gentle. And all these things are celebrated. But it's now it's like dog eat dog world and, you know, crush your competition. And I heard a podcast with Terry Crews on Tim Ferriss and he said, dog eat dog world. You know, you always hear that dog eat dog. He's like, look at nature. You see dogs eating dogs. That's not even a thing. So why do we say it and why do we do it? And I was like, Terry, you're the man. Well, perhaps in that mix, there should also have been more women. That's something that is missing from that in those leaders. Um, And I am not saying that those were not good men, but the representation does matter because for whatever reason, a woman is generally unaccepted as a spiritual leader, which would then lead people to believe that men have some kind of extra superpower, some extra like plug in to God, um, whatever that may be, the, the knowing the, you know, and so I think that that there's, I think there's so much right now that's like in the process of changing. And it's like that. I think for women, I think that there are more body types being celebrated, Mm. but we're so far from, being there, if you watch a runway, it's still going to be tall and skinny, probably blonde, mostly white. You know, they're just, I think we're, we are recognizing things. It just feels like it's moving really slowly. But I think for you and that sensitivity and um, the emotions that you express, I think about how wonderful that is for your daughters to experience that and for your boys to experience that, you know, everything that we do, someone is watching, you know, what are they taking in from your behavior, you know, and hopefully that's, you know, be touched by things in life. My goodness. That's one of the, what's one of the gifts that we get is to be so moved by anything yeah. that we are affected from the inside out. That's beautiful. Yes. And so don't run from it, run to it and, and celebrate it, encourage it. As you're talking about uh, women, spiritual leaders, um, I'm thinking of a podcast I did with Josh Brown, who is a worship leader in Michigan. And he said the exact same thing. He said, you know, I, I used to believe in this fundamental way. And so to break out of that and to, to transform that and start to to kind of resettle in of what does that really look like? And he was saying, like, we do need more women leadership. We don't have it. It's not very common in, in fundamental circles. But as um, things start getting more progressive and, and spreading out and saying, is was the Bible really saying that in that context? Maybe we don't fully understand it, and maybe there's a wider way to look at it because there is something to appreciate and, and is needed to help balance out um, that in leadership with spiritual women. And so... He was saying that that's true, and he agrees with you on that. Well, I just think that in all areas, it's important for it's for us to it's important for us to bridge these gaps in colors and socioeconomic backgrounds and um, 
gender and, you know, and kids today, they are not, they don't see gender the way we were structured to see it. So things are just, you know, I just think I heard one time on Russell Brand's podcast is he was like, you know, however many years ago, it was really ridiculous to think that the earth was round. So think about all the things that we believe today that are going to seem so ridiculous in the future. And I love thinking about that, about being very open to possibility and, and just why would we know everything? That's just not how it works, you know? Um, So I just, I like thinking about that as like, at some point we're going to find out that, you know, the earth is, you know, a hexagon and it actually works like this or whatever. And this whole idea that it's been round is going to be ridiculous. Whatever thing. I just think that it's all keeping an open mind and we get so hard set in these things that we feel so strongly about. It creates more division than you don't even ever have an open ear to someone who has a differing opinion. Right. You know, you never, you're never listening and that can be hard. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but, um, but I'm aware that kind of stuff we got to, we got to get moving. Yeah. The flexibility and, and taking the stance that this is what I believe now. And I, I think it's probably true. However, I at least take a stance that I might be wrong. There is a possibility I could be wrong. It's not a common stance. It's normally this book says this thing, or I was told this thing. I believe it's true. It has to be true because I have bet so hard on this thing to be true. If it's not, it will crumble me as how my identity and it will right. crumble me as right. I am. I belong to this group, and we are the right group, and we are so right, and you are so wrong, and you're the other, and I and we're the in. And to eliminate that boundary, you know, is such an important thing. It's so humbling, and it's very difficult. But it's it, we have to do it to be able to, to properly grow as individuals, but also as a society. I. I completely agree. I think that um, I was asking someone the other day about their uh, stance on religion, and they were like, uh, "You first. And I, <laughs> this is I, dangerous. I, I called him out on that. Yeah. And uh, he was like, "Well, it's just that people get so upset. I didn't want to say anything that would be upsetting to you." And I'm like, because I I told them I was like, "Look, I'm like the." The truth is the truth. You know, th- there's not a wrong answer. I'm asking you. Yeah. That's it. Like that's there's not a wrong answer. It's just what do you believe? Yeah. You know, and that's okay. Like I'm not going to be like, "Well, I'm asking because I'm here to change your mind." You know, like sure. I don't I'm that's not that's not the work that needs to be focused on in 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 my world yeah so well sadly yeah. that's that's probably been that person's experience more often than not and so therefore they're already preempting that but your goal is to break out of that norm and say that's not my norm and you can you can rest at, at ease like let's just be at peace with each other and appreciate our presence versus trying to shove an agenda on someone and, and mold people into the things that we think they should be 
and just let every everybody be and then be the best that we can and hopefully inspiring people to kind of come together as you know one unit whatever that looks like kind of like the picture you're painting with the aa i hope so i hope that you know i think for me i'm i am really hard focused on being honest privately publicly with everybody um that's just not as common as it should be and i think that being honest you know is very vulnerable but it's also super necessary because it's one of those things that you know if you're completely honest then no one can really no one can take that soft spot on you and and poke at it because you know you're like yep that's i'm i'm like that that is who i am like that's my thing and it's then not it's not a weakness yeah you own it you own it and you know it and you explore it and you adapt to that and so i um I think that's that's my current focus is just being plainly honest. No, I would not like to attend this thing. Yeah. And I don't make an excuse. Sure. I don't say whatever thing. Yeah. I just no, I I will not be attending. Yeah. Uh, no, I would not like to do that. I will cancel plans if I feel too overwhelmed yeah. by all the things that I need to do plus the plans. Sure. Like I just don't I'm, I'm very focused on my mental and emotional health constantly. That's awesome. (laughs) And so in that being different, as we've talked about that, one of the instances that stands out to me is you were telling about, uh, there's a lady at work and women befriending women as a general, like pursuing like, Hey, I'm a fan of yours. Like, let's be friends. And you said she's kind of like looking at you like, who are you and what? This is not common. Are you willing to share some of that story? Uh, yes, she is really, she's really funny. She, um, I pursued her as a friend because I immediately knew that she was one of the smartest people in the room. That's who I want to be friends with. I love meeting people who don't we all like to talk to people who challenge us and um, make us work a little harder to get on that level? Um, the answer is probably not all because sometimes, I, right? Yeah, maybe maybe it's not, but that's at least, and maybe that comes with a sort of like confidence of where yes. I am at this point. I but I'm so. like, hey, hey, what, what's, tell me this thing. And like, she would like, not look at me sometimes like yeah. our desks faced each other and I would just I like kept going in and I would pay attention to things that I knew that she was interested in like I really I pursued her yeah. you know like, yeah you're like semi stock I, I was courting her very hard <laughs> yeah. um, but um anyways but she and I are, are good friends now and we, um, share so many common interests and, um, I think are really a good touchstone for the other in learning that we are so similar. And she 
told me one time, she said, no one ever tried to be my friend so hard. <laughs> and, um, and I guess that seemed like, I don't know if it seemed suspicious, but I was very plain with telling her, I wanted to be your friend because you are incredibly sharp and you know, things that I don't know. Yeah. So please totally, if I'm like, doing something that can be done better and you have more information, like share that with me. I would love that, yeah. you know? And I, I don't think that that is the reception she's been used to having as someone who probably can be like a know-it-all type person. She's so smart, but I'm like, no, that's what I want. Yeah. I'm like, tell me the things that I don't know. I'd love to be better. And that's so cool to me. And so it's just, it's, we've had like a very funny relationship and dynamic and became better friends during the pandemic when we didn't have to look at each other every day. I think that just helped, um, bring down some walls, you know, and, um, and I think we share and connect on things that we don't share and connect with other people. And, um, so sometimes you just have to pursue the smartest person in the room. I, that's my, I mean, sometimes maybe they won't turn out to be so good, but in True. my case, it worked out. But I, yeah, I think that we should want to surround ourselves with people who we have something to learn from. Makes good sense. You know, if everyone's, if everyone's just like us, that's, that's pretty boring. Pretty boring. But sadly, a lot of us, are prone to wanting to kind of get in that echo chamber. I, I can look back and see myself in that echo chamber. You know, we part, we're part of a, a church group. And again, one of my guests, Josh, says that that was a cult in his mind, right? And so it's everybody reverting the same thing and, and nodding their heads and, and re, uh, repeating the, what the most powerful or most influential people are saying and just saying, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. And then you get someone coming in, raising a hand, like, eh, are you sure? Is there maybe another way to look at this? Which was me. And then I got ousted because I wanted to think differently or whatever. But I was still part of the program to a degree of, I want to fit in. I don't want to cause ripples. Like, this, there's something to gain here of, of fitting in. But ultimately, I think my soul was starting to wither a little bit where I was like, okay, we can't. There's a line here somewhere. And now you got to push back a little bit respectfully. But nevertheless, don't just conform and as you do that, you, you put bigger questions, you put more variety in, and that does cause you to grow. And it, it is painful and it's difficult. And then you get ousted and more pain, but then more growth. Well, then more growth. But that was you pursuing your true self. And that's a really great example of that is that this, it's your true self is that sort of thing that's like, eh, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Hmm, something's a little, a little off. Yeah. Um, and I think that any time that we are finding what is a truer version, find a truer version of yourself tomorrow, uh -huh. you know, like keep pushing and keep doing that because I think that we just have to have our eyes and hearts open to learning and not being like, nope, I'm good. I'm fixed. I'm right here in this little you know, this little contained space, we will break out eventually and it won't be good. So I think being as uh, free and true as we possibly can, it can be lonely. Yeah. And I think that's what you were talking about too. Sure. You know, it, that was a lonely place to be, yeah. but it got further. Yeah. And there was a lot of fear surrounding that as well. 
And as we tap into combining subjects, we've got, you know, you making your uh, lady friend at work and the fear in combining those. There's another aspect of that as I was talking to my wife, Megan, you know, and she was working in a certain spot where there weren't, everyone was not the most respectful to, to her or women, inappropriate <laughs> jokes, passes, all these things, sexual harassment, things that were accepted. And I'm shocked because I came from a very corporate background at Comcast and one whisper of that, I mean, it would have been hardcore shut down to a level. And again, maybe it still goes on to a degree and it's, a level of tolerance or acceptance that you have to go through or navigate or negotiate through that as a woman, which is kind of what you had mentioned when I, when I asked you about it, you know, a year or two ago. And uh, can you speak to that and expand on that, please? I think that um, I hope it's better for your daughters. I do, but I could not tell you a single woman who has not had to listen to inappropriate commentary at work or the gas station or where, you know, whatever, but especially in the office, it is, it's, it's a truly um, degrading experience, but it does something I think to your self-confidence as well, because uh, I, have talked to you about women being objectified and commodified in that way in that, um, you know, uh, you were not praised for your substance. You're praised for your outsides or shamed for your outsides or, you know, whatever thing, but, um, it's extremely hard and extremely uncomfortable to bring it up when it does come up. And, I think there's also a lot of men who have stayed in certain lines of work who are older, who definitely haven't gotten the memo that that's not a thing. I totally think. Do you have any specifics or would you rather not call anyone out? Um, yeah, there was a guy at work. This is at my, this is my current job. And this is somebody who has worked in the, he's worked there for, I don't know, decades. I mean, like a really long time and everybody likes him. And, you know, he was friendly to me, but then he would come up to me and say things like, yeah, I saw you. I saw you walking in today. I saw you in that red dress. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I peeped you. I peeped you. And then I, we text to communicate work, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I need to do a, um, live stream from such and such. And he's like, Oh, are you going to come to bed? And I'm like, excuse me. And he's like, well, I'm off today. So that's what you're saying. Right. Is that you want to come to bed? And I'm like, do it was so awful. And I'm like, do not speak to me like that ever. But he had backed off grandpa. Oh my gosh. And like the comments and everything prior to that had made me so uncomfortable, but it was, it, it was definitely sexual harassment, but it was like nothing that he said prior to like the, you know, get into my bed thing prior to that. It was just all like creepy. It wasn't really like he didn't call me anything. And that becomes like a vague area. It's not vague. 
but it is vague when it comes to reporting it. And that's the problem. And it's a, he said, she said, and well, he's been here 30 years or Everybody whatever. Likes him. Everybody likes him. Yeah. No other women say that it's because they have accepted that or they know him and that's cool with them. I don't care, but yeah. I was at, um, we had a, a big, um, a big, it was not an office party. We were, our morning team was rated best in Cleveland. And, um, so they, it's like, there was like a big fancy dress party, you know, my kind of thing. And I, met his lovely wife at this event and I was so uncomfortable. I had no idea what to say to her. And just like, I went to shake her hand and I was like, Oh my gosh, you must have your hands full. And she just, it was like, I could not have, I didn't have it framed to like, what do I, I didn't know. I just like, that was honestly what I felt in my heart. And she looked at me probably in a knowing way. I, I don't know. I just, and I, this is the same person that I have seen and I did not report him. Yeah. I chose to address it with him directly yeah. and then let him make a decision about how he handled that because I felt like that was just what I was going to do in that situation. And can I take I a guess at how he responded? Was it more like I was just joking around or blah, blah, blah. Or, or did he literally receive it and say, I crossed the line and I'm sorry. And I won't do it again. What was the spirit like? It, it was, um, it was like, he, he didn't, he didn't respond. It was like a total lack of acknowledgement. And so anytime since then that I have to communicate with him, um, I just, I don't get a response. Like, it's like, I, I don't exist now because I have told him. And it's crazy to me that in, I've worked in TV for 20 years now. And it's crazy to me that this was the first time that I stood up for myself and said, that is inappropriate do not speak to me like that yeah. because it was due hundreds of other times. And, um, I think that there's a lot of that inappropriate comments and things like that, that go on that are not so directly offensive that people would do anything about, yeah. you know? And, um, and then if there's not a witness, if you, there are so many things that work against you, for reporting it, which is absolutely horrible that you have to just rely on people knowing better. And you know, that's just not how things go sometimes. Right. So I think that it's still extremely common and prevalent, but I believe that the generation behind me, they're making it better because they're the ones that came forward and they were like, no, yeah. No, no, like we were raised to be like, just be quiet. Like, don't say anything. Like, yeah. don't say anything back. Like, don't cause a fuss. Don't, don't hurt anyone's feelings or anything. But well. like, don't, don't cause a fuss. Like then they'll, the bosses will look bad at you. Why, why would they look bad at me? Yeah. You know, but that is how things have been. And that also is like, we need more women in management. We need more women leading companies because 
Um, if you're taking your complaint to another male, right. who does it probably, or at least most of the people he knows does it, then what level of traction is your request or your complaint going to take? Right. And especially like, this is someone, like I said, who's been with a company for a long time. He's well-liked, I guess, respected. Yeah. I don't know, but, and nothing has happened since then. You know, he just doesn't, he doesn't speak to me, but that's also, you know, kind of not perfect. a comfortable work environment. Yeah. You know, that's not ideal. True. Um, but I, I was so proud of myself. You should be girl. And I, and I couldn't believe that it took me, it took me 39 years yeah. on this planet to do it. And what you was know? different this time? What was the contributing factors this time versus the hundreds before? I think that was just, that was me. Mm. That was, I had gained the confidence and the knowledge and the power within to speak up. And we got to get that everywhere because, yeah. you know, we're seeing things all the time, but people don't speak up. Yeah. And then you're out there, you know, by yourself. And if you have to be by yourself, be by yourself for sure. Do the right thing. But, um, you know, it, it would be nice if like more people were gathering, rallying it like, yeah, right thing. Yeah, you right. know, Agreed. it's not it's not the path of least resistance. It's not, yeah. you know, but it is, um, it is essential for us to make a better world for everybody yeah. that way. Agreed. And that peace of mind, when you go, when you walk away from that, like, hell yeah. Like, yeah, maybe it's going to be difficult, but I did it. And like, I, I'm tonight when I go to sleep, like, ah, I'm going to rest even better. And again, you still have to deal with the bull crap that, that came from that. But ultimately, that peace of mind and that, and hopefully building upon that, and hopefully other people hearing this story, or when you talk to your coworkers or whatever, see that you're like, yeah, I'm going to do that next time, or maybe not next time, but in 10 times. I don't know what the plan would be, but nevertheless, don't just lay down and be a doormat. You have better worth than that. Even if you get fired, getting treated like garbage for 10 years in a job so that you can gain seniority or climb the ladder is not freaking worth it. Don't do it. None of it, none of that is worth it. It's just like work. Unless you are like doing like, uh, well, I'm sure even people who save lives and whatever. But the thing is, is that life is so much more important than work. Hmm. And work is just, it's just a little piece. Yeah. It's just a little, little piece, you know, and that's all you should give it. You know, and I made big changes in my life for that in part because I was drinking because I hated giving so much of my life to work that I like, I drank so hard to wind down, taking away more of my life. Right. Um, and I made a lot of changes that meant less money and fewer opportunities and different things like that. And I, wanted to, I needed, needed to have a life where the job was not my priority one, because like you have to be your priority one. You right. have to, 
their everything else should fall behind that. That's not selfish. And work for me, I mean, when I'm there, I'm in, I'm the best. But in my life, it falls way down. Right, because the, your joy, your peace of mind, being the best at that is more important than being in the was it million-month club. Even though when you're at work, getting the million-month club and sustaining that is important, but it does Goal. not, it cannot supersede. Absolutely. I mean, I just, I was in management very young and I learned the hard way that it was really incredibly lonely to have a lot of success and no one to celebrate it with. Um, what does it matter? Who cares? You know, like this doesn't, this is not going to mean anything in 10 years. Things that mean things in 10 years are like cultivating great relationships and, you know, spending time with your grandparents or your parents or any, you know, it's, that's, that's the stuff. Yeah. You know, work is, work is silly. Yeah. Comparatively. Work is just what we have to do. Yes. Yeah. And it takes time to get that wisdom and, and confidence in that. And I'm so thankful and excited that you have come to that. Um, we're all, I'm walking that journey as well and, and trying to welcome that in also. Now, you mentioned family, and so who are like, let's say, if no one else in the world listens to this podcast but three or five people, who are the most likely fans of Talia that are, are going to listen to this? Um, well, I think that um, – so my – I have not spoken to you about a relationship, but um, – Say I, I know. I like buried – buried – it's not the lead, but it it's is – It's kind of the lead. It is. It's a big deal for me. I have been single for a very long time. Uh Um, but my, uh, I, my boyfriend partner person, uh, asked before I was doing this, well, where am I going to be able to watch it? Where am I going to be able to hear it before? Cause I told them that this was coming down today. So, um, Robert is uh, someone I've also known for a long time. I We were actually roommates when I was 18. Wow. And I lived in Corpus Christi. I remember being there. And, and yeah. And so we were always just really good friends because I always had a boyfriend, as I always have. And, um, and you know, like life went on, whatever. And he got married and had a kid and, you know, I was married and, you know, he was divorced and I was divorced and we, you know, reconnected. And, um, it is kind of starting from a very different place because we have this incredible foundation of, we've just always really liked each other, you know, really always have gotten along so well. So, we're starting from a place of like, we have trust and we have love and we have all of these things. It's just logistics at this point. Okay. So anyways, so yeah, I definitely think that he would listen. I don't know. It sounds sounds long. Um, so maybe like, can we put this on, can we put this on two X and get through it? <laughs> he knows I like to talk a lot though, and he appreciates that about me, which I obviously love because you know I'm I'm very verbose uh-huh. and um and and 
he thinks that that's wonderful. Oh. And that's who you got to find is someone who doesn't complain about you talking all the time, but is like, yes, tell me more. Celebrates so. you for you. Mm-hmm. That is Absolutely. My mom has said about Megan. She's like, I just love how, but she celebrates your silliness and your nonsense and your, and actually my friend William, uh, he said, you know, you get in the freaking spring water in December and she's right along there with you doing crazy stuff like that. Like what the heck? But like you said, that my soul feels so alive whenever I'm, I'm doing that. And so it's, it's important for that. So I'm very glad to hear that. So shout out to Robert. Thanks. Thank you. I mean, you know, I, yeah. So it'll be like, it would have been about four years since I've dated this fall. And so I really took time to dig in and not be with people and, you know, not any of, I've not had a serious relationship in a long time, but this is just kind of, just kind of became immediately serious. Like once we reconnected and, um, we always have stayed in touch throughout the years, like just very casually, how are you? So I, you know, I knew we had a child. I knew, you know, I knew like where he was and, different things, but it was always like super, super cool and casual and anyways. And so, yeah. So goody, goody gumdrops. I know. So on top of Robert and uh, we got, I'm guessing mama, Steven, camera, Stacia. I would guess that none of them would listen to it actually. Okay. (laughs) Listen, we've heard this woman talk our whole lives. We ain't trying to listen. No, they are not. They really, you know, camera loves me probably the most, yeah. but She's that girl's busy. She's a busy girl. She published a, uh, a cookbook. What? What's the yeah, name of it? Let's, let's, let's hype it here with the three people that are going to okay. listen. Okay. You can get it now on Amazon. Uh-huh. I think only on Amazon. It's called I eat plants. Aha. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, so it is, I think just actually went live on Amazon today. My big sister, Stacia, she won a a Murrow award that was just announced today. And I will tell you in journalism, that is like the highest of honors. Will you spell that Murrow? Murrow. It's M U R R O W. Okay. Um, and that is one of the highest honors in journalism. She um, had a story idea about following a military family um, when the husband deployed okay. and following their lives for the next year and however long he was sent away. Okay. And so told their story of what their job is in support. So she won a Murrow award for that. And that is, that's like a, that's a big deal. Shout that's out a, Stacia. Well yeah. Done. Shout out to Stacia for so, sure. So big day for, for Stacia and camera and it's Maisie's birthday, whom you just found out about that exists. I just found out about, but I texted Monica this morning yep. and she sent me a bunch of pictures the other day and congratulations on your first niece. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then also my first episode of this show released today, even though so we'll probably be listening to this in like a few months, but nevertheless, such a huge day, May 6th. 
I mean, May 6th, I know. My birthday is in six days. Thank I will you. be 40. Um, so by the time this comes out, I'll be like probably way wiser and everything. Most definitely. Um, but um, yeah, I'm excited about I'm I'm excited about this uh, completing this trip around the sun. It has been a a big year for me, which never seemed like that was gonna happen when you're at home during the COVID and spending spending time alone has been good yeah. for me. I think it's been really. Um, really positive and i think it's good for everybody yeah it's been good for me I, as well even as an extrovert it, it, at first i was like say what but I, I wouldn't have it any other way yeah i'm definitely not an extrovert um so i'm very i love being at home more than anything else yeah but um but yeah i mean it gets lonely we're social creatures you know it's it's definitely a weird thing but um you know i think that and and COVID is interesting in how it's changed relationship dynamics and things like that. But right. um, I think that um, for me, it's been it's been a, a good year. You know, it doesn't mean that all good things happen. It just means like at the at the close of a year, I feel like I'm a better, truer version of myself than I was. A year ago and I'm very excited to hear that so as we get ready to wrap up it, now your introvert side do you want people to be able to follow you and find you on insta or you're like um just follow me on the podcast and bye or you're like hey go ahead peep, peep me <laughs> they, and my dog they could totally meet me and my dog on instagram I'm Talia Elaine Fairchild yes that is a declarative sentence it just sounded like it was not uh-huh um, it's, yeah, it's a public profile. It's really just pictures of my dog and my nephew and, you know, True. uh, oh, and be talking about, uh, being an indigenous woman. Uh -huh. That's been a category of self exploration this year as well. Yes. We so might, we might have to do that for round two. Cause that is a big deal. <laughs> True that. Um, okay. So, uh, Let's see. What else was I going to say? I think that's about it. So your final question is if you could take out a, um, what's it, the background of a cell phone for like a billion people and get a message out that you believe would be most impactful to really sink into the psyche of people, what would that message be? Find peace. Find peace. Nice and simple. However, not so simple when you're actually trying to do it and seek that pain. Find yeah, the finding is, is worth, it's worth the work. Fine piece. It's worth the work. Well, thank you very much for coming on this show and all the nonsense and fun and whatnots that we've had. You're my favorite non-brother. Aw, well, thank you so much. <laughs> and back at you for, uh, you're also my non-brother. And yes. the message is, find peace, everybody. And with that, peace out. Thanks for listening. Today's show was brought to you by Humor because I love hilarious things. So I want to encourage you right now to write down my phone number, 574-303-8433. And text me something hilarious, quirky, goofy, unique that happened to you this week or this month. I want to hear it. Thank you so much for your support and listening to the show. 
That alone means the most to me. Peace. Pee poop, pee poop, pee poop, pee poop.